verses one through three have three subpoints, and they all conclude with one big main point. And that's what I want to convey to you this morning. There's one big point built upon three subpoints that I want you to leave with today. Today's sermon is entitled, I Am With You. Are you there? Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. Listen to these powerful words spoken. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that this scripture will become a reality in our life by faith. This I ask. In the name of Jesus, amen. I am very uncomfortable with returning things. Are you, are, you, are you that type of person who is uncomfortable returning things? Whether it's a, a present that's given to you, or it's something that doesn't fit, or something you don't need anymore. A lot of people return things, but I am one of those people who feels very uncomfortable returning things. Almost like it's something wrong that I'm doing. Now, some of you are experts at it. You are returning things left and right, and it's just a way of life to you. But maybe, maybe it's because I had an upbringing where I saw certain things and I, and I didn't feel comfortable. I remember that our, uh, that our family had a, a friend. She was a lady, a lady in her 40s, I believe, and she was always dressed to the T, always dressed nice, new clothes almost every time we saw her, dressed impeccably. And my mom used to always ask her, you know, where do you shop? And she said, I shop at Nordstrom. Do they have Nordstrom around here? You heard about Nordstrom before? Very nice place, very expensive place. And she didn't have the best of the best jobs, you could say. So we always wondered, how is she affording new clothes all the time? Well, so happens we find out that Nordstrom's has a very generous return policy. And what would happen is that she would go in and try five different suits and clothes and dresses, and uh, she would purchase them all, but she would leave the tag and not lose her receipts. And so she would wear it to this event, she would wear it to that event, and then she would come back to Nordstrom and say, you know what? Uh, I don't like it anymore, or, you know, it didn't, it didn't fit just right. Now, every once in a while, though, we did catch her with the tag hanging out of her dress, and, and we always wondered why has she not gotten rid of that tag. And so maybe that's why I feel uncomfortable returning things now that I am an adult, because of some past experiences. But, you know, people sometimes take advantage of that, but other people return things just because they don't understand how the thing that they bought is supposed to work. For example, a man kept returning dead goldfish to the, to the store. 
And after about the third or fourth time, it became obvious that something was wrong. And he screamed at the manager and said, you have defective, you have defective fish. You have defective fish. Because I put good water in there. I clean their, take care of them, but they keep dying. So the manager talked to him, and in the, in, in, in the conversation, they discovered that the man thought that this was a special kind of fish that did not require any food at all. And so something was wrong, and he was returning the dead fish to get live ones back because he didn't understand how it worked. Like the man who decided to return the batteries to the store he bought them from because there was no more electricity in them after a couple days of use. Some people return things because they have no idea how they're truly supposed to work. And the one that really, that really hit it for me was the man. Yes, it's usually a man. Yeah, I know, it's usually a man. The man who returned a slow cooker. And you know, the people who are in charge of the returns have to put a reason for that return. And this is the reason that they put. The man returned the slow cooker because he says it cooks too You got it. It cooks too slow. It cooks too slow. And so many times people are returning things because, not because they're defective or, or something wrong with them, is because they have a misunderstanding of how they are supposed to work. They don't understand its purpose and how it's truly supposed to be. And friends, some Christians are trying to return Christianity because they're discovering that even as a Christian, you encounter hard times, trials, and tribulations. Have you heard of that before? They get baptized, they accept the Lord, they become a Christian, and life's going good, life's going great, when all of a sudden they lose their job. A beloved family member gets sick. Maybe there is a relationship that's falling apart, a marriage that is falling apart, and all of a sudden they come back to church, they come to the, back to the pastor and they say, I want to give this back. Why am I having any problems in my life? Why is there hard times? I'm a Christian. But friends, as we study the scriptures this morning, we discover that they lack an understanding of the Christian life. They lack an understanding of what this Bible verse is saying because the first thing we learn from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 and 3, is that trials and problems must be expected by believers. Trials and problems must be expected by believers. You know, the Bible says that we are in a war and in we are soldiers, and we sing, we are soldiers in the army. But have you ever heard of a soldier being victorious without having to go through the battle? It just doesn't make sense. And yes, there are some young Christians that believe that it's all flowery beds until Jesus returns. But the scripture tells us in Isaiah chapter 43 and verses 2. It says, when you pass through the waters and through the rivers and through the fire. Did you catch that? 
It's not say in the extreme circumstance that you pass through. No, no. If you pass through. No, no. The Bible says when you pass through. There is, there is no wiggle room there. The Bible is saying that as, as believers, we must expect trials and problems in our life. And friends, this scripture talks about a flood. And it's the nature of floods to overwhelm. This scripture talks about fire. And it is the nature of fire to consume. And it talks about water. And it's the nature of water to drown. And so I'm going to ask you, as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, have you felt this year that you've been overwhelmed by your problems? That your problems have been consuming you? That you are drowning in your problems? And have you been tempted to say to God, there's a malfunction here, God. Seventh-day Adventists shouldn't be suffering as I am suffering. They shouldn't be going through the problems that we are going through. I'm the remnant. I'm your beloved. I got to return this. I got to do something. Something's wrong with the product. But friends, there is nothing wrong and we have to remember that sometimes the greatest miracles often happen in the middle of the battle the greatest miracles often happen in the middle of the battle if you remember that great story of Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt and as they they head to the side of that great body of water, the, the Red Sea, all of a sudden they look and they see Pharaoh and his armies descending upon them with looks of revenge and anger. And at that point, I'm sure the Israelites went to Moses and said, I want to I wanna return this vacation package that I just bought. I want to go back to Egypt I don't like how this vacation is going. Uh, something's wrong. This is not how you sold it to me. I wasn't supposed to die here by this sea. I wasn't supposed to be massacred. And they're saying something's malfunctioning. But friends, nothing was malfunctioning. Because the greatest miracles often happen in the middle of the battle. The Bible tells us that Moses answered the people, do not be do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The problems you see today, God will wipe away because the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be, to be still, to be still, child. And so we discover that Christians will go through problems and trials. And those trials will be trials of various kinds. If you are a true child of God, you will have to go through the trials in the water. You will have to almost be swept off your foot in the middle of that ocean or in the middle of that river of trial and problem that you're going through. It's almost going to wash you away. It's almost going to drown you. And when you get through it, when you have endured it, then all of a sudden, another trouble will come. And now, instead of chilling water, it will be the consuming fire that you're going through. And so the problems 
and the trials will be various kinds and different kinds. One will be a relationship problem. Another one will be a problem of money. Another one a problem of many other things. And I kind of thought about it and I said, man, what is a good illustration I could use? And then I remembered I'm living in Michigan. In Michigan, we know about various trials that we go through of weather. As I moved here from California, I thought that the only trial I had to go through was a trial of, of cold weather and, and snow. And one day in Michigan, you get a certain snow that is fluffy and the sun is out. Then another day, you get this bright day, but it's so cold you can't even step out. And then another day, you get rain. That ugly rain that just goes little by little all day. And another day, you get a wind that's just blowing you left and right, the leaves. And the, the temperature says, you know, 50, uh, 60 degrees, but it feels like it's 20 because of the wind. And just when you think that spring is coming, like last Sunday, you get this ice. Where'd the ice come from? It's been cold all winter, and there hasn't been any ice. And so in the Christian life, you will have trials and problems, and they will not be just the snow. It will not be just the water. It will be the fire. It will be various kinds of trials that come to us, but there is not a malfunction. The scripture is telling us here that you will pass through the water, that you go through the rivers, that you will walk through the fire and the flames also. There will be trials of various kinds. And I'm sorry to say, but these trials will have to be many times repeated. You know, sometimes in Hebrew poetry, to make a point, uh, the Bible repeats itself over and over. And so, for example, in verse 2, it says, when you pass through the waters. And then the very next sentence says, and through the rivers. So it's kind of like, you know, the same thing. Then it talks about, you'll walk through the fire, and then it talks about the flame, nor shall the flame scorch you. So you go through the fire and then you go through the, the flame. But I don't, I don't think it's only Hebrew poetry that's kind of making this text sound more beautiful. I think that what the Bible is also trying to tell us is that these trials will be repeated more than once. In other words, you will have to go through not merely one river, but many rivers. And through not simply one fire, but through, through many fires. And I think the story that comes to mind with us is the story of Job and his trials that he had to go through. And as we read the story, we get the force of what he's going through as after messenger and messenger comes to him. It, the messenger comes to him and says, I am only escaped alone. And first he is told that his oxen and asses were stolen by the Sabians. Then that his servants with them were killed. Then that their sheep and the keepers were slain by lightning. Then that the Chaldeans captured the camels and killed the servants in charge of them. And last came the terrible tithings of the death of all his family. What was so hard for Job was that it wasn't just one trial, but it was the trial repeated over and over and over. And the Bible tells us that we must expect the trials to come as waves, that they come one after another. <laughs> Do you know about waves here in Michigan? Do you know about waves? 
Waves are, are, are strange creatures. I surfed a couple of times in California. You know, California, boy, you have to learn how to surf. And, uh, you know, half the time you're just waiting for the perfect wave. But it's so much different being out there on your surfboard than being where it breaks. I'd rather be on the surfboard than on the edge where it breaks. Because I've seen so many times people are just playing where it breaks and, you know, the waves are coming, you know, nice and soft. And all of a sudden there comes a big one and, and without them looking it just knocks them down. And then they stand up and right when they've gotten their senses about them, all of a sudden another one comes in and hits them again. And I've seen people almost drown this way because they get hit by one wave and by the time they're finally recovering, then comes another and another and another. And how many Christians have almost been drowned and crushed by not only problems, but the repeated problems. Some people say when it rains, it, it pours. It just keeps coming over and over again. And so the Bible is telling you this is not a malfunction, friends, because if you are a Christian, trials, problems must be expected by the believers. And our text tells us that trials and problems will be repeated and varied. And that is the first point. And if the sermon ended there, you'd say, man, I'm not coming back to this church again. He's telling me that I got problems. I already know that. I'm living them. Some of you are barely not drowning. Some of you are almost being consumed. But the text tells us more than this because the second part of this text tells us something beautiful. It tells us that the trials and problems will not be able to destroy you. It will not be able to destroy you. The Bible tells us when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. These trials and problems, this scripture tells us, cannot destroy us. And so, it tells us when you walk through them. I like that picture. I like that picture of, of walking. In fact, it says in verse 2, when you walk through the fire. Have you ever seen someone walk through the fire? Have you ever seen a video of someone on fire? What are they usually doing? They are on fire running, screaming, shouting, ah, I'm on fire, rolling. No one's just on fire burning up kind of this taking a stroll through the neighborhood, right? It seems strange that someone would be on fire and not screaming and running for their life unless, unless that fire is not consuming them, is not consuming them. Remember that uh, famous Psalms 91? How's it go? When you walk through the, when you walk through the valley of, of the shadow of death. If you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, if I'm going through that valley, I'm not walking. 
I'm running through that valley, right? I'm like, get me out of here. I don't like this place. There's death all over. But again and again, the Bible says you're walking through the fire. You'll walk through the river. You'll walk through the water. You will walk through because trials and problems will not be able to destroy you. And when you believe that, you'll be going through all these problems and trials that everybody else in this world goes through. But the Christian will have a peace and calmness to him that everybody else doesn't have. They'll say, what's wrong with you? Don't you know your life's falling apart? Don't you know you've been diagnosed with a terminal disease? Don't you know your bank account is empty? Yeah, but I'm good. I'm calm. I'm walking. I'm at peace. But why is that? That seems kind of strange. Why are you at peace? Why are you calm? Because you could say, Pastor, you know what? I believe point number one. It's very clear that all Christians go through trials and problems. Because guess what? I'm going through them. You don't have to convince me of that. What you do have to convince me of is that they shall not consume me, they shall not drown me, and they shall not sweep me away because I'm feeling like I'm about to get swept away. So how is this true? Well, it is true because of the final subpoint of this text that it gives. The final subtext is the argument and assurance that proves that trials and problems will not be able to destroy us. This text, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 and 3, gives an argument and assurance that is a promise to you that your problems will not destroy you. You want to know what it is? It's very simple. If you take Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 and 3, and you just... Break it down to the most basic saying of the passage. Taking out a lot of words, and you leave these words, you understand why. The text says, in summary, fear not, you are mine, and I will be with you. Fear not, you are mine, and I will be with you. You study out throughout the whole Bible, that, that, that word, fear not or don't be afraid. And again and again, we learn that the reason we should not fear is because he is with us. Fear not means to have courage. And courage is confidence in the face of adversity and opposition. Do you have courage in the face of your problems? But where do we get this confidence? Where do we get this confidence? Your confidence should not be in what you feel. Your confidence should be in what you know. And what this text is telling us you should know is that God is with you through your problems and trials. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6 tells it this way. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mortals do to me? Because the Lord is my my help. The greatest assurance that you will not be destroyed by your trials and problems is the great word, I am with you. And the beautiful thing is that it's often in the place of your greatest frustration that God will reveal his greatest glory. You want to stick with that one for a moment? Can you digest that one for a moment? It is often in the place of your greatest frustration. What's the greatest frustration you are going through right now? 
What keeps you up at night? What are you stuck on? What are you scared of? What are you asking God and saying that remove this from my life? Get this out of my life. God, my Christian experience is malfunctioning because of this great frustration. But God says it is through that great frustration that I can reveal my greatest glory in your life. What if your struggle is a signal that God is up to something in your life? What if your struggle is a signal that God is up to something in your life? So the Bible tells us that when Moses was old and ready to die, and the God told him, you're not going to go in the promised land. He had one message, one message for the people. And the message was not, hey, listen, when you go into the promised land, when you go into Canaan, there's going to be no problems because you are God's people. There's going to be no fights. There's not going to be any struggles. There's not going to be any giants. There's not going to be any walls. There's not going to be any problem. It'll be so good. No, that wasn't his message. His message was clear. Be strong and of good courage. Remember, courage is confidence in the face of adversity and problems. But where do we get that confidence? Confidence in knowing that God is with us. So be strong and of a good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not forsake you, nor leave you. Wow. What a message to give today to people who think that their Christianity is malfunctioning and saying, God, get rid of my problems. God, get rid of my struggles. God, why are you not listening? God, is my prayer malfunctioning? God, is my faith malfunctioning? Maybe I'm in the wrong church. Maybe I'm in the wrong religion. Maybe I don't have enough faith. Why do I still have problems? Could it be that you're asking God to remove the very thing he's been trying to reveal himself through? God. God, it was when Israel was trapped by the waters and Pharaoh that he showed the glory of splitting the Red Sea. It was when the currents of the Jordan River were raging and overflowing that he stopped and split the Jordan River. It was when the furnace was heated seven times hotter that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked unharmed with Jesus. You will not have less of God because you are poor. You will not have less of God because you are sick. You will not have less of God because your mother or children have been taken. In your losses and your crosses and in your trouble, you will realize that the presence of God is even more clear than you've ever felt it before. Because it's through these things that he reveals his greatest glory. And so all this is summarized All this is summarized in one point that is so critical for your Christian experience and your Christian growth that I want you to leave with today and never forget that the presence of trouble does not prove the absence of God. So simple, yet so forgotten. So true, so neglected. We believe it. But do we truly live it 
when the problems and trials come into our life. If you believe Isaiah 43, then with every problem, you will see a promise that God is with you. Let me repeat that again. If you believe Isaiah 43, then with every problem, you will see the promise that God is with you. And these problems will not consume you. They will not overflow you. They will not drown you. In fact, it is the vehicle that God will use to show his glory in your life. And with the songwriter Samuel Medley, you could sing, When trouble like a gloomy cloud has gathered thick and thundered loud, he near my soul has always stood his loving kindness. Oh, how good. You got problems? You got trials? Good. Because God's going to do something special through them. But listen, you don't believe me. You don't believe me. I feel like you don't believe me. And so can we get a testimony up here? Yes or no? Wow, you guys are asleep today. Can we get a testimony? I'm going to invite my brother up here, John Rene, to come share just five minutes. You got five minutes more to hear the glory of God working through someone's problems and trials? Yes or no? Yes. And I want, to, I want him to share a little bit of his experience of how he ended up here in East Lansing, Michigan State University. How did you come here? Tell us of your life and the problems. Happy Sabbath. So I usually say to people, if you see where I am from, you would never imagine I could be the one standing here today speaking English, which is not my language, but speaking a foreign language. Because I grew up in a family in Haiti, in a very remote area, rural area, where most of the people who live there, they are farmers. And if you go up there, you're going to be a farmer by any means. Because people there, they don't really send their kids to school. Or if they are fortunate enough to go to school, once they get to elementary school, it's over. Because we only have one elementary school in the area. In order for you to go to, to middle school and high school, you have to go very far away in the city. So they don't have money also to pay. So I was fortunate for my parents to send me to school, although their parents didn't afford them that opportunity. I went to school, but once I get to middle school, I have a very tragic experience where my father passed away, and he was the one who was paying my schooling fees. So that's a problem. A problem, and mm. my mother was a staying home mom. She didn't work. And you guys were Christians? I was the only one, mm. because I became a Seventh-day Adventist after I finished elementary school. Three years later, my father died. Mm. So... Was something malfunctioning? It was very bad for me. I, I lost hope, but I believe in God. Amen. And then in school, I was very brilliant. God helped me to find favor in the sight of everybody. In my school, they give me half scholarship, and sometimes they might come to dismiss some kids for not paying their tuition. Mm. For me personally, even though I'm not paying yet, they don't return me home because I was a very brilliant student. Even the student would say, no, don't return him to home because he's so bright. Mm. And then after I finish high school, now another challenge to go to college. In Haiti, we have only one public university. 
one universe, public university in the whole island. For we have about 10 million people for mm. Haiti, so you can imagine. And we have some private universities, but in order for you to go there, you have to have money. So I don't have any money. My, mo my mom, she is a farmer. She cannot, and she has, she has seven children. I am the oldest, so there's no way she can afford to send me to college. So now, there's no, way, there's no loan, like you can borrow money to pay. No, there's nothing like that in Haiti. So you have to pay out of pocket. So if you don't have money, that's it. So now I went to the public university so that I can get into it. But you have to go through a contest. And it's a very competitive contest. I went there, I got registered, and then I went to the contest. In my college, you are going to take 100 students, and there were 2,000 applicants. And they're going to choose only 100. You can imagine. I don't think I was the brightest, but I had God who was working on my behalf. And then I was selected among the 100 applicants that were selected for this scholarship. And then I went to school. But there was one problem. Once I start going to school, now I heard I had to come to class on Saturday. <laughs> wow, that's a problem. Now what am I going to do? And then if I lose that opportunity, I, don't, I won't find any other opportunity. I had some, other, some friends. They were Catholic. They called me Sabbath. That's the way they called me. They nicknamed, my nickname, Sabbath. That's the way they called me. When I went to their home, they said, Jarene, I know they teach class on Sabbath in your school. I know you're going to say you are a Sabbath keeper. You're not going to school on Sabbath. Don't try to forfeit your scholarship. That's what they said. I said, no, I'm not going to school. And then I never went to class on Sabbath. And I always have my grade. I spend all my college year not going to school on Sabbath, but having very good grades. Amen. And all my classmates, they know me. They always call me pastor. They know I don't come to class, but I have great, good grades. And then after I finish college now, and even in college, life was very difficult. Not easy at all. Because I have to, although I was in the dorm, they give us a meal, one meal a day. But now in the morning, you have to eat out of pocket. I don't have money. My mom was in the countryside, so at times she might send me some money, but not enough to keep me going. One day, I remember I was very hungry. It was night, and I didn't have any money to go to buy anything. I was so hungry. I used to be hungry before, but this one was very, very, very severe. And there's no way I would be able to sleep without eating something. What did I do? I went somewhere in my dorm, we had a dorm, and I knelt down and I prayed in secret, in my heart. I said, God, I am very hungry, and I won't be able to sleep tonight without eating anything. This is what you say in your word. You say, don't worry about food, don't worry about clothing, you'll take care of us. So I believe in your word. Please feed me. In Jesus' name, amen. After I finished praying, I was going back to my room, and then I met a guy who knew me, and he asked, Jarene, I have some food in my womb. Would you like some? I said, yes, please. <laughs> God just answered my prayer right away. As I was in my way to my room, he answered me. And then after I finished um, college, now my desire was to have a master's degree, but in the United States. That was my desire. And then in college, I was trying to learn English in my own. 
in high school, I learned English, but after I finished high school, I kept learning on my own, never going to any formal English training. And then when I finished, there was a scholarship that is called Fulbright Scholarship that the US government gives to several countries. It is a very competitive scholarship. And then I applied for that scholarship. I took English, English test, I passed it, and then now I had to go to the interview. There were 200 applicants for that scholarship. They selected 60 for interviews, and among 60s, they were going to take 16 for the scholarship. On the day of my interview, I went to the interview, and I made a prayer in my heart. I asked Jesus. I said, Jesus, I knew, I know while you was on earth, the Pharisees, they used to ask you some very, very tricky questions. And you, want, you used to silence them by your answer. Give me the same wisdom so that I can silence whomever is going to question me for the interview. And then I went to the interview with confidence. There were five people in the panels. Three was American, and then two were Haitian. And this was my first time to speak with a native speaker in English. <laughs> God gave me wisdom to understand everything they were asking me, and I answered them appropriately. And then in the end of the interview, at the end of the interview, I saw they were looking at each other, not seeing, not seeing what to ask anymore. And then I said, any more questions? <laughs> now I say, since there's no more question, okay, thank you for inviting me. I hope to see you soon. And then that was the end of the interview. And then three, three days later, they say, congratulations, you have been selected for this scholarship. And that's that how I, end, I, I ended up being in the United States. And God has always, has been always with me. And one thing about when the pastor talked about going through the fire, don't be afraid. In 2010, there was a terrible earthquake that struck my, that struck my country, Haiti, and I was in Port-au-Prince where this, the earthquake hit. I was in the middle of it. And as I was walking through the street and then the, the earthquake strike, I was in the middle of the street. What should I do? I had... There were three of us walking together. One of my one of one my cousin, one of my one was my former classmate in college. My cousin fled. Me, I didn't go anywhere. I stayed in the middle of the street. And I lift up my head to heaven and I lift up my hand and I said, Jesus have mercy. Jesus have mercy. The earth was shaking. I saw all the waves going. I said, Jesus have mercy. And then the earthquake stopped. And then I said, thank you, Jesus. My classmate stood by my side. He, he held on to me. And then, no problem. I was saved by the grace of God. There were so many dead around. There were 300,000 people died, dead, died, who died at that, at, that, at that time. So God is so amazing. He's so great. If you really believe him, if you trust him, he will see you through. Say thank you for the testimony. Can you say thank you? So do you have problems? Have you had problems? Amen, a lot. A lot. But God has been with them and revealed his glory in special circumstances. So turn to your neighbor to your left and to your right. You look at them. Look at them right in their eye. Make it awkward. Look at them right in their eye and tell them, I have problems. But, but it's okay. Because I have God. Do you believe it? 
Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. You are so good. You reveal your glory through our problems and trials. Lord, this is not a malfunction. This is not a misunderstanding. We're not going to return Jesus. We're not going to return our faith. We're not going to return anything. We're staying still because you're with us. And we're not going to run. We're going to stroll and walk through these problems in life because you are a strength and you are a power. This we pray and believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.